Welcome everybody to the Can't Tell Us Nothing show. This is the Can't Tell Us Nothing show you're listening to right now. What is? Oh, yep, that's that's one that's one member of Can't Tell Us Nothing right there. That's a member known as Tandy. That's the name she goes by. What do they call you in the streets, Tandy? Oh, Tandy. <laughs> oh, Tandy in the streets. Tandy, Tandy in the streets. That's other voice you're hearing is John. John, what do they call you in the streets, man? Uh, they don't call me in the streets because I don't give out my government in the streets. You know what I'm saying? If you know me, you just know where I'm going to be at. You feel me? <laughs> that's right. That's right. You always know where he is. Where, who you don't know where he is sometimes is Amici, who's also here. <laughs> Amici, what do they call you in the streets? I'm not on the streets anymore. I'm just at home. So. <laughs> you're just at home. That's right. So you, know, you, have no, you have no clue what they're calling you on the streets now. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't be in the streets. It's, it's a pandemic out there. And my name is Antoine, and we are the Can't Tell Us Nothing group out of Houston, Texas, an improv group. And what is this show? The Can't Tell Us Nothing show is a show where we take opinions, discussions, topics, turn that into improv scenes right on the spot. We just take it. We make it up. There's characters. There's storylines. It gets crazy. And then we get right back into the discussion. Uh, sometimes we're joined by a special guest. And uh, Tandy, would you like to introduce today's special guest? Tonight is one of those nights we have a special guest. Um, she has uh, actually been our guest before. Um, but maybe you didn't see the show, so we brought her back. We had such a great time with her. She is a longtime friend of mine. I've known Shanidria since we were in middle school. Oh, I said her name. Her name is Shanidria Wagner, y'all. She's a native Houstonian, nationally recognized edutainer, and uh, shall we say a, um, was it newly realized activist. Ah, yes. Welcome, like welcome. Thank welcome back. You. Welcome back. Thank you guys. I love being around people who use double negatives intentionally. Ah. <laughs> you did it on purpose. Like you knew better, but you chose to use a double negative. That makes it why. <laughs> Yeah, I, ha I have a problem when I see educators do it. They don't know and they're delivering instruction. Oh, <laughs> bad and verbal omission and apostrophe omission. I don't know what I'm going to do. Apostrophe Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Well, yeah. So you're looking good. You're looking like things are going well. What's been going on, man? Oh, girl, a lot and everything. Um, the last time I saw you guys, you know, COVID, we were just, we were hoping we'd be out of the twilight. Yes. We're still in the twilight zone, a zone of a continual lies. Um, continuous lies, but tonight I'm feeling rather Phillipsy. Okay, and what does that mean? Uh -huh. So um, this shirt just displays the countenance, and for those who didn't pay attention to literature class, I mean, mm -hmm. it displays the countenance of my grandfather, my paternal grandfather, the late Dr. Julius Andrew Phillips, who was a civil rights activist, and I look a lot like him. I look more like him than I do my dad. Um, but um, I got this shirt made and I went back to his hometown. Um, well, he was born in New Orleans, but he moved to Mendel, Louisiana during Jim Crow and opened the first hospital uh, for people of color because people were having to go to the hospital and to the dirt floor basement for service. So he built a hospital with the help of some Jewish friends. Um, and um, 
service that community for decades. And he was a civil rights activist, the first black doctor in the town. He was targeted by the KKK. They brought because of voter suppression. He tried to get people to vote. At the time he died in 1959, there were 80 black registered voters in Westford County where he resided. And there were 8,000 white registered voters. So the day that he died, January 12, 1959, he had gone down to the city hall and a huge knockdown drag out fight about voter suppression. Went back to his hospital to deliver a baby and died of a massive heart attack. But his death, he had signed a petition he and one other black person were the only two black self-employed people in that town who were not afraid to speak out. They signed a petition to launch an investigation that was um, that was conducted by the FBI and the Department of Justice into voter suppression. And four years after his death, the people in Webster County gained the right to vote as a result of his efforts. Oh, wow. I'm feeling so with all that's going on right now with voter suppression and mm -hmm. all that's going on, I have on my armor tonight. This is my genetic... Uh, right, it's, I'm biologically just, just predisposed to speaking out. Wow, <laughs> right. The genetic. Uh, it's in tape. my blood, baby. Mm -hmm. I, I found out about this uh, a year ago in September. I knew about the. I knew that when he died in '59, they opened a school for him in 1960, unheard of. I knew it was the first um, integrated school in that town. There's a street name for him and a school name for him. Everybody in that town over a certain age were delivered by him. Just about. He's still lauded and loved in this town 60 years after his death. Wow. What town is that? Um, that was Minden, Louisiana, in northern Louisiana. You know, you hear about Baton Rouge, La Nouvelle Orléans. You hear about all those, you know, popular places. But there was a northern Louisiana um, where my grandfather was. They called him the MLK of that town. Oh. That's, that's oh. huge. And I that's look huge. just like the man. Look just like him. Never met him a day in my life. Oh wow! That's so when, when you when you hear that uh, about his life and what he's done and accomplished, what what do you take away from that? What's something that you're kind of drawing from that and using to inspire yourself? Well, I have the ability to not really care about what people think of me. I care about my, what my creator thinks of me, and so I've always I understood myself better. What I take from that is that I have a responsibility to be my brother's keeper. My brother might be white. My brother might be black. Because my, my grandfather met with the white doctor at night during Jim Crow and they conducted surgeries together illegally and swapped medicines illegally, mm -hmm. even during Jim Crow. So when I found out what was happening, when I found out about what he really done, when I found out about the petition and everything, it was a year ago. There were some things happening in Pearland, Texas that I thought were wrong. And I found myself speaking out in a church one night, just blurting out to a potential a congressional candidate. He was lying. And when mm -hmm. I went God, I was crying and pacing like, did I just do that? I'm like, did I? I normally try to behave myself in public. And then, can, you, can you take us through the story? Would you mind? Like, so we had a congressional candidate who was running for an office and, you know, he's a, he's a good guy. His, his lifestyle kind of mirrors mine, came from a single parent home, um, you know, um, but he wasn't being forthcoming, I felt, about um, his ability or his his, his willingness, he didn't really have a willingness to endorse uh, Democratic candidates that ran locally. And so when he ran as a Democrat for Congress, I was like, how dare you? I know three people that asked you for endorsements and you didn't even endorse them. So because, you know, local politics was nonpartisan. So in the church that night, one of the debate questions to him that was posed was, you know, you've not supported any Democratic candidates. How can you expect Democrats to 
support you? His response was, nobody Democratic asked me for an endorsement. I knew that to be a lie. So I stood up and said, you're in church, you're in church, you know, and I was like, I did that. You know, and when I got outside, I was crying, pacing, I was furious. And later on that night, I got home. And by this time, I'd gone to Minden in August when my, my kids and I returned from their natural, from their junior Olympics. We went through on a road trip and the town received us so beautifully. They were so loving, gave me a plaque. It was beautiful. And I uh, established communication with the town historian, who John Agin, who just passed away, white brother, white chocolate brother. But John inboxed me later on that night about the petition. He said, your dad was, your granddad was one of two people who were not afraid to speak out. And I thought, that's it. That's why I'm so crazy. That's why I'm so outspoken. <laughs> my granddad was the same way and my daddy's the same way. But I thought, oh my God. And it was just, I had tears. I just felt like I understood myself better. Mm. And I felt a, a greater responsibility to fight for humanity because that's who my granddad was. He was a man who fought for human rights. Of course he fought for black people. He was a black man. Well, he was the fourth white. His dad was a mulatta and his granddad was a white man, okay? Which is common for a lot of black people. They don't talk about it a lot, but it's the truth. But he fought for human rights. And so I felt such conviction at that point. Um, and so I ended up doing a live broadcast to talk about it because when I posted about the first black hospital for people of color in Northern Louisiana, I went to the, it was a big, beautiful acreage of land. The house my dad was, you know, the house and the hospital were connected. There was a pharmacy and a nursing school, and it's still there. And so I went, videotaped it, and I shared it on Facebook. And someone had the audacity to uh, uh, disagree with the fact that I was lauding the fact that my grandfather opened the first black, first hospital for people of color. And I was like, well, I know we're all people of color. You know, white folks turn pink when they get mad, turn red. We all got color. But not everybody acknowledged that. And so I'm going to celebrate. I was so angry about the opposition I got from this one person. Yeah. And that video got about 5,000 views, you know, so I think it touched people and I'm already a speaker. So that's when people began to ask me, you know, are you going to run for office? And I said, no, I'm too honest for politics. And you want to make change. But I'm too honest for politics. Too honest for it. I'll repeat. There are too many people who run for public office who don't say what it is. They'll say, well, I can't say it. You say, why are you in office if you can't just say it? People depend on you to just say it. People are dying. People need health care. People need protection. People need food. People need life. They need you to say it. They need you to go fight for them. And yes, there are some politicians who are who do say it. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm just very uh, annoyed by those who, <laughs> who enter politics and don't just say it. So that's my story. So since then, I've been on a crusade more than ever to speak out against you know the mistreatment of my fellow human beings. We could not and overlook the uniqueness of the black experience in America and around the world because of the, the diaspora and imperialism and colonialism, you doggone right. By the same token, I'm very sensitive to human suffering. So when I see my white sister getting picked on, I'm gonna I'm speak up for her too. That's who I am. My mama raised me right. You know? So what was the opposition you got to the video about the, um, about well, one of my one of my Paralander friends was like, you know, a guy who was in Paraland, who I respect. I respect him a great deal. I still respect him, but I was mad at him about that. And he was like, why are you pointing out that it's, it was a hospital for people of color? And I was like, because it's history. Like people often talk about when we mention, you know, when people when we talk about the uh, taking down statues, I said, you can't change history. Well, no one can unrate my people. No one can unbeat us. 
No one can unsell us, unenslave us. The history happened. We just don't want to commemorate it in a way that we're, we're praising people who were who were mean to human to mankind. So, dude, I'm just I'm just holding a mirror up to what happened. I'm just telling what happened. Be mad at the people who did it. Be mad at those who had an issue with the skin color. Be mad at them. Don't be mad at me for being telling the truth. I, that's, that was history. Mm. He opened the first hospital for people of color in Northern Louisiana. His name was Julius Andrew Phillips. He was an Omega Sci-Fi man, Meharry graduate, 1927, born in 1896, went to Texas college to study undergrad. I'm damn proud of it. That's my history. That's my daddy's daddy. So if he opened a hospital for people of color, I'm going to tell the world about it. His grave site looked so bad that the people at the school, one of the teachers was saying, this is a white sister. She was saying they were going to adopt his plot as a, as a class assignment to clean it up. Because my dad moved to Dubai. I have six aunts in Chicago. One was in Chicago, one was in Ohio. Everybody left Mendon when he died. My grandmother packed up with the kids, moved to Houston. So, you know, and so I feel it's my responsibility to go back to Minden, to cultivate relationships, to give to their neighborhood. He, his hospital was in the low-income neighborhood, right across from a housing project. I have a responsibility to go back to Minden and give. I have a responsibility to give up my time and my tithes. Hmm. That, I mean, that did something to me. It lit a fire under me. Mm -hmm. Say it to speak up. They burned a cross in his yard. The KKK burned a cross in his yard because at night he would take his doctor's bag and go around town and pretend he was going on doctor's visits. He was actually preparing them or trying to prepare them to pass a literacy test they couldn't even pass. Oh, wow. So those questions were horrible, but the KKK didn't like it. They burned a cross in his yard. One of my dad's first memories was waking up in the middle of the night, my granddad went to the front door and shot his gun. I believe in the Second Amendment. And Democrats also believe in the Second Amendment. And they're <coughs> saying they don't. They don't believe in certain kinds of rifles getting into the hands of people who shouldn't have them, but they do believe in, in having gun, gun ownership. Let's get that clear. But he shot his gun. He had a gun. And that distinguished him from the man who didn't have a gun. They burned the cross in the yard. My dad and his friends went out the next morning to play football, staring at this burnt cross. It was still smoking. My dad and his siblings were the only black children in that town who walked the front door. My dad said, and I'll say this and I'll turn it over to you. My dad said he recalls walking down the sidewalk and hearing people say, those N-words are Dr. Phillips' kids. Don't bother them. That N-word will kill you. He's crazy. So because they knew he had a gun and he didn't play, they didn't bother his kids, but they did have the temerity to burn a cross in this yard, but he did have allies in the white community because when he died, his funeral was held at the Civic Center. In 1959, at the Civic Center, and the school was opened for him in 1960, the first integrated school in that city. <clears throat> it's a legacy to be proud about, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. yeah no problem with that. Absolutely. So, yeah, to answer your question, dude, that's what it did to me. It made me feel compelled to, to stand up for humanity. Yes. You guys are so quiet. What's going on? <laughs> no, that's uh, no. It's a lot to digest. I mean, yeah, it is a lot. It's a lot to digest. And then, can, can you imagine? And I met my dad at nineteen. So when I first met my dad, I was like, "You're my daddy." 
almost like that girl on Queenie. When Raven Savannah played that little girl on, on the little biracial slave girl on Queenie. And she looked at the mess and said, you my pappy? You know, when I saw my dad, I was like, you my dad? Because we look nothing alike. We don't look alike at all. But the day that I was at my aunt's apartment, I can recall the first time I saw this picture and chills went through my body. I said, oh my God, I look just like this man. You know, that's I look just like my grandfather, more than I resemble my own dad. So yeah, I love him and I'm so proud of him. Yeah. <clears throat> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, we cut to a scene and um, in the living room with grandfather and his grandkids. <clears throat> Everybody, please come in here. I mean, I gotta tell you guys something. I wanna show you some photos. <clears throat> what you got there, granddaddy? Well, you know, my time is probably a little short. No, no, don't say that. No, don't say no. That. What is that? I'm not gonna be around here long. That's what I mean. Well, I'm not. And um, there's still a lot more work to do. You know, a lot more work to do in this world. Um, so I say all that to say that, um, Antoine, you look the most like your grandfather. The way your shoulders are built, the way your nose looks. You know, I have a lawn care business and I need somebody to take over that business. You look like the exact person to take over your granddaddy's business. Your lawn care business? My lawn care business. You right uh, there. Well, I know before you think about it, let me show you some pictures first. Let me show you a picture of what I looked like back in high school. Just come over here. Let me show you my yearbook. Okay. You see that here picture, Antoine? It looks just like you, don't it? You with the lawnmower there? Yep. Uh, maybe it kind of you mowed the school's lawn. I got paid for every square inch I mowed at that lawn. Yes, your grandfather did. And that was back in Jim Crow. Yes, he still paid me because I I threatened to run over one of them white men with my lawn mower, and I next day I got my check. I sure did. Um, I was I don't know. I kind of wanted to be a computer engineer when I grew up. Oh, you could be a computer engineer any time in the world, right? But how many times are you going to get to inherit a business looking just like me? I mean, look, I got contracts. All you got to do is meet with my vendors. When they see your face, they're going to think of me back in the day, and they're going to be like, oh, that's, that's John right there. He was in his prime, and the business going to take off. All right? You ain't got to do nothing but just look like me, son. Everybody hey, else? Daddy, daddy. Look like yes, you. yes, yes, yes. I know, Daddy. I, that's that's so great. And um, I, you know, I always told my boy he looked just like you, but he's just fifteen, Daddy. He can't take over your business right now. He got school to go to. He hasn't mm -hmm. gone to college. He hasn't done. He hasn't done what he needs. I know he looks like you, but he's he's really not ready right now. Tandaway, yeah. yeah. Remember all them stories I told you about your father when I was young. Yes, sir. Remember that yes, time sir. I fought the Klan by myself I, when I was eight? I remember, remember that. Yeah, you fought the Klan. By you myself. By yourself. Got my, I got my daddy's lawnmower. I yeah, ran that was, mug up. And I ran at all of them sheets in the yard. Cut a nice yes, line up to cut it right around the burning cross. Looked real good. And we got all them sheets and you told us tear them up and use them for rags at the house. I remember Absolutely. that. I remember that Absolutely. story. Absolutely. You did a lot with lawnmowers, Daddy, and I mean oh. nobody is nobody is 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 doubting that. I'm just saying 
Antoine's just a little bit too young to take over a business. Plus, he hasn't even killed anybody with a lawnmower. He doesn't know what to do with a lawnmower. I don't want to kill anyone with a lawnmower. Hush up, boy. Listen to your granddad. <laughs> well, uh, Antoine, I got a question I want to ask you. Uh, all right. Do you think you'll be able to kill somebody as a computer engineer? Huh? Do you Probably think not. Hope not. I, I, I don't think then I don't think that's something you want to do and commit to the rest of your life, son. You got to be willing to die for what you believe in. Ain't nobody dying for computer engineering. Listen yeah. to him, son. Your granddaughter, your, your granddaddy got some. He's making a point there. He's making a point. I've never, so. been afraid, I've never been afraid of a computer engineer, but when I see a man cutting the lawn, boy, I lock my doors. Yep. <laughs> and sure enough, you know, you know, your grandfather. Look, look at this. Let me show you a picture back when I was twenty-five. Back when I was. I was ripped, you know. Mm -hmm. I I had you know trapezius muscles was popping. I used to cut lawns with no shirt on, you know. Well, yeah, that's how are. that's how I met. You're that's running two lawnmowers right there. Absolutely. Yeah, Dad, you remember when you told us that story when you were at the club and you was dancing with mom and that man tried to cut in on your dance and you walked out the club and he thought he won and you came back with your lawnmower. Cut his foot off. You cut his foot off at mm -hmm. the club. At the club. You don't, you don't step on my stuff, you know what I'm saying? That was my one. You mm -hmm. popped the trunk and got your lawnmower out on him? Popped the trunk and got my lawnmower, got my blower so I could blow the blood over in the side so nobody would slip on the dance floor. Wow. It was something with that lawnmower. It used to scare us. You know, we'd be driving down the road, and uh, the cops would pull us over, and I'd be praying, please don't look in the trunk at daddy's lawnmower. Please don't look in the trunk. What, was it, what were they going to find? They were going to find that lawnmower. I'm gonna find a lawnmower. They had a couple bodies on it, but it's a good, great lawnmower. Listen, do you want to go to school, or do you have want to have respect, admiration from the family, the neighborhood when you come home from work, 15 years old with a pocket full of money, and your name brand on your shirt, or do you want to be some old rat-looking, you know, uh, computer engineer? You're just sitting in a cuticle all day, spinning your wheels and just spinning your wheels. And your name ain't on your shirt. It's some other man's name on his shirt. You know, that's what you got. That's what you got to look forward to, son. I'm just trying to give you a legacy. And, and Daddy, tell him about the, the lawnmower school that you opened up. Because a lot, a lot of people didn't even know how to cut grass, Anton. And when he built that school and opened it up, and he didn't, he, he opened it up to everybody. But it was only a certain group of people who came in there to learn. And it was all men. They all oh. mainly men that came in there to learn how to cut lawns. We we, we, we cut the John's first day of, <laughs> of class. All right. I want y'all to come in a little close real quick. I want y'all to see something. All right. I'm going to pull out a couple of photos just, just to kind of show y'all what y'all up against here. Now, I got to be probably the most successful lawn man in this town. And yeah, if you don't we look all like, agree that. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But if you don't look like me, the chances of your success is gonna be very off. So I want y'all to come over here, take a little profile pick. We're gonna compare it up against my pick. And the ones that look the closest to me, you're gonna continue in this class. Wait, the what? That don't continue to don't look like me. You're gonna get your pink slip and you'll be outside and going to another school. Maybe hey, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I need ten thousand dollars to be here. Yeah, You're telling me I could get thrown out on my first day. Absolutely, don't look like you. Absolutely, I mean, it's not thrown out because you don't look like me, it's thrown out because your success chances are very low. So, all I'm doing is I'm giving you 
you paid ten thousand dollars if you don't look like me well i just gave you the best information in your life you will not be a successful lawman that's it how about you just we you just teach us how to handle the lawnmower you know set the blade height and it sharpen it keep maintenance there's a lot of stuff that goes in it ain't that easy what happens if you get pulled over by the cops and your lawn your, your lawnmower is in the back seat huh what what happens if somebody comes up trying to steal your yard right because you you took over their territory huh did you think you can deal with that with the face you got and the shoulders and, and the forearms you got look like you'll get beat up by one person you know without a line more they probably won't even use a blower or something you know i'm here to teach y'all a way of life ownership and the path that i seem to have found that works for me right and one of the main ingredients to that is i've looked like this and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of power in having that facial resemblance. Uh, what was the word you earlier? Countenance. 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 Yes. Yes. There's a lot of power in entrepreneurship because I I neglected to mention that not only did my grandfather. Uh, established the first hospital for people of color. He also co-owned an insurance company in New Orleans. Huge. And, uh, and I found out also from, from Randall Wilson, who's from Menden. He's now in Baton Rouge. He sent me a picture of Lynn Whitfield one night on my Facebook page. I saw a post. I remember waking up in the middle of the morning. It was a mid-morning. And I woke up and I saw a picture of Lynn Whitfield, whom I love. Like, I totally, like, began to adore her when she portrayed Josephine Baker. I was a French major at Texas a and I studied in France. So you don't find very many French majors at Texas a and okay? Who is, who is she? I saw a picture of Lynn Whitfield who had sent me, and he, he prefaced it by saying, oh, Shanidria, my dear sister, uh, the co-owner of your grandfather's insurance company, Keystone Life Insurance in New Orleans, uh, Louisiana, was a dentist from Baton Rouge named Dr. Butler. His granddaughter is Lynn Whitfield. Oh, wow. Two granddaughters. So my granddad and her granddaddy were business partners. Wow. I said, that makes us cousins. I got to call Tyler. I got to call I mean, that oh, was yeah. fascinating to me. And people should dig up their roots. You don't know what you might find. You don't. I love Lynn Whitfield. Like, I love her. And who is she? Her. You know, from uh, Greenleaf. Greenleaf, she did. Um, she portrayed Josephine Baker. I mean, ugh, yes. She's awesome actor. That, she's amazing. She's beautiful. She's an alpha kappa alpha woman. She was made at Howard University. I can imitate the girl. Too. She got it going on. I love her. I'm gonna meet that woman and get my autograph before this is before I leave this earth. That's my goal. That's a crazy, I, right? I would just send her an email. Hey, uh, great grand. Our grandfathers used to be business partners. We need to chat. I found someone who knows her. I found actually Alfie Woodard's sister is my sorority sister. And Alfie Woodard commented on a post I made and said, I know her. You know, so I'm going to go through her to get to get. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm so excited. You should But in a way, my former comrade in speech class, Lanier Middle School Purple Cups, one of the most, oh gosh, one of the most grounded, most talented, most brilliant classmates I ever had. Mm. Who? You. Oh, what? Yep. That that seems to fit. Yep. Yep. Grounded. If you say grounded. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, okay. 
I'm not saying so. Tanda is a first responder, guys. She's a nurse, guys. I gotta give you a yeah, shout. They are, mm -hmm. yeah, they are. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, what's her thinking? She said, What, 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 yeah. what specifically do you remember about we Tandy and in, in like is there a special favorite? Oh, yeah, so, so, yeah, so my mom was a single mom and we didn't have a car, and so we had a citywide competition. I didn't have a car, I didn't have a ride home, and Tandaway offered to have her mom bring me home. And if it weren't for Tandaway, I couldn't have competed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. You brought me home. And then Tandaway also um, told me when she was a kid that her mom did not allow them to watch Good Times. And I thought, why? You yeah, can't why? watch Dynamite? Are you kidding me? Was it too controversial? Oh, yeah, my daddy. Oh. Jackson yeah, with Penny with the Iron. Oh my God, Tandaway, why? Why can't you watch Good Times? What did you tell me? You remember? Yeah, my father wouldn't allow us to watch it. Not negative images of black people on TV. He mm -hmm. wasn't for that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Of like, black people on television. But we used and to sneak and watch it, right? After school, like you had to like sneak and then we'd feel the TV to make sure it wasn't too hot. So I watched all the episodes, but he didn't allow me to watch. Like it wasn't a family thing where we gathered around. So I didn't know you actually snuck and watched them. You'd be mad across for sneaking and watching them. I would sneak and watch it. Yeah. Oh my God. So what what did he let you watch? I assume the Cosby show or No, I mean I was older by then. No. Jefferson's no, none of that. But he watched the he and my mother watched All in the Family. You know, all so All in the Family. Listen, it was racist, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen. You can watch a racist white dude, but not but not negative images of black of black people. Archie Banka. Yes, it makes I like sense. Why yes. yeah. accent? I love her New York accent. Yeah. Archie, stop it, Archie. I yeah, yeah no. We can watch that. Talk to you anyway. Huh? Guess what I talked to? Guess what I talked to the other night? Talk to Tracy Wilson. Oh, Tracy, yeah, how's she doing? Tracy Wilson Payne, she's doing amazing things. Good. Oh, good. Amazing good. things. So you and she were the were were two of the of the big you know, going to Lanier. Um and I'm not surprised anyway that you're you're exercising your your uh, um, your thespian talent because you you're such a talented woman. Oh, okay. I'm expecting to turn on the television and see you. Like you can still, you can still do it. I can still, I still want to be surprised. I'll turn on the TV and see you. Like you're amazing. This is so uncomfortable. But okay, thanks. Why? I just don't. Why? You know, that's, me. that's me. I just don't. I mean, really? I, think, I, I think we're in a, a time closest where that could be a thing. I mean, it could be a thing right now if you look at it YouTube. Could be a thing right now. But, <laughs> but I think with the amount of of um, options there are now. Yeah. And and the hunger for content there is, oh yeah, we can get in there. It was refreshing for me to really? see you do comedy because you you also a very serious actress. I mean, you can deliver soul stirring speeches. I mean, you can do everything. You're so versatile. Mm. And you mm. opted to you opted to take care of people. So I'm like, what is this? Listen, I love it. We got a whole lot of stuff, but this show ain't about my life story. <laughs> okay, but I can't help. Okay, but I can't help. I can't help it. I can't help it. No, I'm I excited. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. 
Because um, we sharpen each other. Yes. Yeah. You make me better. I know for sure, for sure. So speaking of sharpen, tell me what you're doing to to sharpen the political landscape of uh, your dear Pearland. Okay. So what I'm doing yeah. to sharpen the political landscape of Pearland is um, I'm trying to be the change I want to see. Mm -hmm. um, I have always, as a Texas Aggie, I've always had the ability to sit across the table from people who didn't think or vote the way that I vote to listen to their perspectives and to and to and to disagree respectfully. Okay, uh, you know, uh, Pierce Bush, grandson of George Bush, is my Facebook friend. I had a chance to meet him. He came in my office. You know, I pride myself. And, and getting into meeting people who have different views, even people who are on the left disagree with me on certain things. Mm -hmm. um, but as of late, uh, we have uh, the the division, in my opinion, has has become a little bit different. It's not so mm -hmm. much ideology; it's about your morality. Mm -hmm. So we're having to make decisions about, um, you know, the perspectives of people and how they align with our moral compass and there are people yep. on both sides of the aisle with whom i don't agree um but in Pearland in particular i have a platform called the original Pearlanders page um mm -hmm. that came to be actually because a and and a friend of mine i met this woman at an event let me just tell you it's, it's, this is breast cancer month october okay I lost my, my maternal grandmother and my and one of my aunts to breast cancer. Uh, about five, six years ago, there was an event in Pearland called the Red Hat Luncheon where all the who's who, constables, judges, the mayor, council members, business owners, you all go to this event to um, do a fundraiser for the Adult Literacy Center, Adult Reading Center. And I had a ticket because my sorority sister who had run for school board had a ticket. And I, I was so depressed because my maternal grandmother had just gotten a diagnosis that her cancer was back after 35 years of remission. Mm. In the bed, I said, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I'm depressed. I want to cry in the bed all day. My husband said, get up and go to that go to that brunch because there's a blessing for you. You don't know what it is. So when I get there, my sorority sister, um, there was a lady sitting there at her table. And I walk over and sit with this lady. She was a redhead. And she introduced herself. And she told me that she had five kinds of cancer. Mm. Heard me right. One yeah. kind is crazy, right? Mm -hmm. She told me her name. Hi, I'm Joy Weiner, and I have five kinds of cancer, and I'm very political. Okay, she had me at five kinds of cancer. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Had five kinds. I was upset that my maternal grandmama had it. Mm. I didn't want to go to bed. This woman had five kinds of cancer and was sitting up at the luncheon and mentioned it like I got five kinds of candy in my purse. Mm. So I was instantly drawn to her strength. So the cancer level, the playing field. I loved Obama. She didn't like Obama. I didn't care. I was forewarned that she don't like Obama, but I'm an Aggie. I can deal with that. No problem. Okay. She can differ on a lot of things. Let's see what we connect on. And we developed a fast friendship. And basically, she gave me entree to, to the inner circle of Pearland Republicans and of Pearland political scene. So I was a lot of great people, a lot of, you know, people, um, uh, a lot, and I don't like. I don't like the assumption that if you're Republican, you're bad, and that if you're Democrat, you're good. I don't. I tell people all the time: there are different shades of red, there are different shades of blue, there are different shades of purple. Get in where you fit in. Mm -hmm. so I'm not where where do you think that assumption? Where do you think that assumption comes from? It com well, the assumption comes from the fact that people look at the policies and the behavior, 
uh, some of the people on the right. We can't ignore the red line and the gerrymandering. Okay. Mm-hmm. We can't ignore the policies that have, that have affected us adversely as a people. We also can't ignore some of the patterns by people on the left. Now, I've, I'm an independent who, who leans left. I'm a left-leaning independent, but I'm not stupid. Okay. So I see people on the left, some of them not doing right. But the bottom line is, um, because of that, that unlikely relationship, uh, I started a page as a fundraiser to, for her cancer fight. And in that cancer fight, you know, we brought in people from different parts of Paraline to bring us together in the name of cancer, and it was beautiful. I only added my friends to the page who I knew who wouldn't care if she was a Republican and that would give money because she's dying of cancer. Okay? But that opened my eyes to a lot of um, the racism, a lot of uh, the history of the Republican Party in Texas. People don't even realize the Republican Party in Texas was started by black people, you know, by black men. CUNY Holmes, he was one of the people, the man who the CUNY Holmes is named for. But the bottom line is that, you know, those that I gelled with, I kept them. And those whom I've discovered were bigots and not right, I've kicked them to the curb. But I have found a way to bring people together to the best of my ability, while also calling out the racists. <clears throat> I think that's a, just like a, a really important way to live because mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't hear an opposing view, how do you know how do you know what parts of yours are flawed, right? Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I always see like things today get so politicized that it's either you're on this side or you're on that side. Mm-hmm. But like you said, that what that does is it really only satisfies a small handful of people's uh, like ideologies, right? Mm-hmm. It kind of washes out everyone else who's a little bit more diversified, a little bit more open-minded, um, or even, well, I'm not gonna say more conservative, but you know what I'm saying, more, more alternative to how they feel like things should be handled. Um, and you said, so you're independent. So what is the independent scene look like in Pearland? Is it a... Well, well, okay. So I have uh, some friends who are independent who lean right. Okay. I have some friends who are independent, (coughs) former Republicans who are supporting our current mayoral candidate, Quentin Wills. They are, they were traditional Republicans, but they like Quentin. They feel that he can lead the city. They feel that he's a Democrat and they traditionally don't vote Democrat. They feel that he's a people person. They feel that he is able to work with people across the aisle. They see his spirit. They, they, they may acknowledge his missteps. He's a young guy. I call him a little brother. He's 10 years my, my junior. They may see areas in which they think he needs to grow. He needs to grow. But overall, they love him. And so they're voting for him because they believe that he will be the ideal leader for our city, apparently, in Texas, even though they might be voting Republican on other issues, on other people. They, they put people before the party. And that is very, very refreshing. Um, at this point, I only have maybe one friend. I have a handful of friends who, who you know, who I'm considering, like I, I love them and they vote for Trump and they're voting for Trump. I have a black girlfriend voting for Trump. She's black woke, very into the revolution. She's mills and as she can be, vote for Trump. And when I found out, I was like, girl, why? I love you too much to let you go, but can you help me understand? <laughs> I mean, girl, I ain't gonna let you go, but I have just had to learn that, you know, independent, again, there's not one, one way to look at it. There are different kinds of independence. 
They're independents who are largely Republican or largely Democrat, but they will vote for a particular candidate based on that candidate's merit. There was a, when we have the 19 you know, beautiful judges who uh, ascended to power in, in, in the judicial system in Houston, there was a judge that was Republican that was voted out. And a lot of Democrats were sad that he got voted out. They really loved him. He was a Republican. He was a good guy. So I'm finding that a lot of people in this particular election uh, are not voting straight ticket. They're voting straight. Many of them are voting straight ticket, but some of them are like, I'm voting straight ticket except for that one position where that guy is no good. And that's their right as American citizens to do that. It's their right. <clears throat> there should be right. like a, there should be Yelp reviews for our politicians. <laughs> there should be. You should be able to look up and be like, let me see. This dude got like 1,500 bad reviews. Let me see what they're talking about. <laughs> and they're just, just trashing them. Because I, I find that people, it's kind of like mm. the, the Socrates argument versus democracy, right? People are going to vote for their emotional whatever that emotional story grabs them or their personal interests. Um, but it doesn't necessarily seem to be targeted in a way that's effective, that, sh that, that promotes progress. It kind of gets into a, it gets into more of like people like it. I don't know. It just becomes like a, something that just doesn't seem effective. Like I, 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 I agree that voting should be done. And, you know, just like living in my neighborhood, I've been sharing with people, you know, I see Trump way more than I see anything else, you know, and then not just in my area, just they're they're more vocal. They're more in your face. Mm -hmm. it, but they also have probably 10 times more local um, uh, candidates that they're also promoting and pushing, you know, so they're doing the work. And these people, like you said, are very like nice individuals. I, I think one of the one of them we met their daughter because um, my wife is dealing with breast cancer too. Um, mm -hmm. Their daughter was my wife's case manager, right? This guy's a mm -hmm. huge Trump flag, you know, waving from his house. Didn't even know it until we went to the park. So I can, I can, like, I can understand how things should be taken as case by case on a personal level. But when it comes to voting, that's where I kind of, it, it, it just becomes a shake house for me because I vote, but I never feel 100% sure that what we are voting for is actually being addressed, uh, followed up on, executed. Mm -hmm. I just feel like I'm voting because I, I believe in this system of work. But if I, if someone was to tell me, can you prove or could you, what, what, what were the things that you followed up for that you wanted to see happen? I would be like, there's no way I would be able to know if that's true or not. Right. Um, unless you get down to a more local level. Um, so I always hear people because of their ignorance, add in more of their ideology, add in more of their personal interests, add in more of whatever their insecurity thing is. And that becomes a forefront of what they vote for, causing all of this, like, you know, this disconnectedness, right? We cut to a, we cut to a senator's office. Uh, okay. Uh, Senate, uh, Senator Amici, Senator Amici. Uh, yeah. One of your constituents, uh, John Miles, mm -hmm. is uh, in the waiting room. He said he voted for you in the last election, and he wants to tell you today to see uh, if you are doing uh, the things that you said that you were going to do because he wanted to make sure that his vote um, actually, it, you know, he used it correctly. He says it's he's just it's his follow through program. 
Okay, and you, you did explain to him that you know politics is not as simple as uh, I told. You know, I to something you I, may think it is. I I told him that you know the way to follow is kind of over time. It's a slow process. Mm -hmm. He said yeah. he didn't care. Uh, this was the year of John. He was going to make sure that his vote counted, and that he just wanted to come in and 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 talk to you first, and then just go around with you all day just to make sure that you're doing the things that he voted for. Um, okay. Um, okay. I'll let him in. No, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna let him see that this isn't okay. so easy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, John, uh, Mr. Miles. Are we can't, Mr. Miles. Are you are you okay? Mr. Miles, you okay? We can't hear you, Mr. Miles. I'm sorry. I'm oh. sorry. I was, no, I was on the phone. I was on the phone. Oh, sorry. Okay. I'm right here. Oh, okay. I'm also, right you're here. a busy man, too. You know, I'm a busy man. You're a busy man. Um, well, I, I come from a small town called uh -huh. um, Dayton, Ohio. I'm sure you've heard of it. Got a lot of people on my phone trying to get to you. And I told them I was the one that was going to get to you. So I'm here, man. Can we talk business? All right. Okay. I got to, I want to understand. How do we know that what we voted for is actually getting done? You know, how do I know that if I voted, you know, as a as a as a flat earther, you know, you spoke about how open minded you wanted your 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 voters to be. And I just knew that you was going to institute some some educational information about the, the science of flat earth. And surprisingly, I've been to every public school today and I haven't seen one bit. Um, what's, yeah. taking, uh, what's taking so long, man? Hold on. Okay, so I I, I did say that, but um, there's, there's a lot of people who do not believe that the Earth is flat, um, and they think they have some compelling evidence, and uh, I'm not able to change their minds on that right now. What do you What do you mean? Not on the Are you a politician? Don't you Don't you Aren't you one step away from the laws, man? It doesn't matter what yeah. they believe. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you do what you said you was going to do. You said. That you accept all orders, all, all open-minded uh, 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 ideologies. Uh, you was going to research this flat Earth thing, and you were going to look at the evidence, and and you were going to get it in the schools if you found it to be true. What do I have yeah. to do to make sure that gets in the schools? That's important information. Okay. Well, um, actually, um, I, I've spent a lot of money on this issue, um, and I've actually um, I tried a flight around. The world, people they can go around the oh, world. That's impossible. That's impossible. That is impossible. I'm, I'm gonna get on it right now. Do you want to come with me? You said you, you want to come. I, with me. I definitely want to come with you because I know that we're not going around the world. You're probably taking me to some remote island because I know that's what I said. I, you know, is let's, let's go. Let's let's go and see if this is like a real thing or not. Okay, let's just prove it to ourselves that the earth is either is flat if, or it's round. If we prove it. I, am I going to see the legislation come across and I'm going to see it in the schools? Huh? No, we'll probably die because it'll go at the end of the year. <laughs> I don't think you saw my, my fourth page manifesto about the flat earth, what happens when you fly off the edge. There's a black hole that sucks you in the other side. Obviously, you didn't read my whole letter. <laughs> I'm a busy man. I have a lot to read and get, and get through here. I'm busy too, man. I'm trying to channel all of Dayton, Ohio's votes and all their all their questions straight to you, man. You ain't you not looking in your your email box and nothing. You ain't responding to nobody. Okay, uh, are we getting things. on this layer jet or not? Are we getting on the on the jet or not? Let, let's go. Okay, we can talk about this on, on the plane. All right, fine, let's go. Even though I prefer a rocket ship, but plane will do. 
we cut back to a uh, cut back to a, a, a town hall meeting um, where John has returned. Now, my brother, our brother, everybody, everybody, our brother, yeah, mm -hmm. our brother John has returned from his visit with Senator Amici. Now, I don't agree with John's position as a flat earther. I think it's nuts. Okay, I think there's something wrong with you if you believe that the earth is flat. But ain't nothing wrong with me. Hold on a minute. Hold on. Nothing wrong with the no, round hold earth. Hold on a minute now. I know you got your theories about the uh the moon landing being a fake Antoine, but I'm talking to John right now. We can all agree that we disagree on a lot of things. But the it's thing the we shadows, agree though. It's the shadows. Hold your point, brother. The thing we agree on is that we all don't like Senator Amici. Okay, we all That's have true. come together because mm -hmm. we feel he is not moving legislation the way we need it moved. That's true. All right. So, Brother John, this flight that you say you were supposed to take around the earth to prove that the earth was round or flat, what did y'all find? <clears throat> well, once it don't matter to me what you found. What I disagree with is the fact that Senator Amici used all that taxpayer money to take a flight all the way around the world. Now, what sense does that make? What sense does Let that make? Let him talk. Let him talk. Okay, okay. All right, I'm sorry. I, but my hate for my hate for Senator Amici is just so strong. I can't sit on it. But go Sister ahead, Tandy, Sister Tandy. I'm quiet. I, I feel you 100 percent All right. I feel you. It actually costed two million dollars for us yeah. to fly to the airport. <laughs> it was two million dollars. It was, it was yeah, there was caviar on the plane. They had red lot. I mean, there was there was lobster tails. All kinds of stuff was on that plane. Ooh, he better be lucky. Just so y'all know, just so y'all know, we did not actually get to prove or disprove whether the earth was flat. We had to stop. Because we ran out of gas and it cost another two million to get back, so we ended up doing a regular fight. And I just took it out of the city budget to get back to Dayton. But listen, I took it as a cowardly move, right? He's a coward. Coward. Two million dollars. Now he didn't give me two pounds of lobster tail on that flight. We had pay per view. We had all kinds of stuff on there, but he, he he didn't tell me that he forgot to fill up the tank. I think it's bullshit. You know? Okay, it's bullshit. Newsflash: World is round. Uh, brother uh, Antoine. It didn't bring what? Didn't bring didn't. anything. Brother, it was Antoine. inconclusive. We should be presenting both sides to the children and let them decide when the future comes and rocket ships will be more prevalent. I, I, I think I think we should send brother Antoine next, man. I think we should send Brother Antoine. Let's go ahead and send Brother Antoine because he just keeps siding with you and getting off the point of hating Amici. I mean, am I the only one that hates Senator Amici? I mean, I no. thought that's what we all bonded. No, we, all, we all hate Amici. Y'all hate him. Y'all hate Amici. We I need think, to get the flat earth curriculum. I, I, well, I think both of y'all are nuts. That don't make no sense. But whatever gets Amici out is the thing for me. So I'm willing right. to ally myself with yourself. Going on, on, brother Antoine. <laughs> it's all about finding an ally, isn't it? Like, you oh, yes. find allies on both sides. Oh yes. That's what we need to. Amici, Four million dollars. <laughs> Not four there. million. <laughs> that was the voluntary mispronunciation. Four million. 
Four million dollars. Four million. Four million. To prove mm. the earth was not flat. Mm. That, to take one person. To the, <laughs> to the that, that's something the government would do. Like we, I had a case study I read in this one class I took for a job, and it was called the. I want to say it's called the five thousand dollar hammer or the two thousand dollar hammer. But a long story short, it was some forensic accounting done on the government spending. Find out that they don't like cost savings is was not like on the government's radar when they were going out for contracts and budgets and stuff. They don't think about it at all. Like businesses are trying to keep costs low. Governments like whatever we got to spend every penny. So they found like all these absurd purchases on their uh, ledgers, and one of them was a five thousand dollar hammer that could have easily been purchased on Amazon for I think like seventeen ninety nine. And that was the one thing that they found after all of the other budgetary absurdities. That was the thing that got the dude fired. Um, yeah, right. He can explain away. Oh, I, you know, I spend ninety percent of our budget on the Department of Defense, right? Even though that's absurd, but they can justify that. But you can't justify the five thousand dollar hammer. What I like about something like the five thousand dollar hammer, uh, and I don't know this case study, but in my head, I just imagine like. In court, like, well, let's bring out the hammer. Let's take a look. Like, everybody look at the hammer and see if it's worth five. Like, it's harder to look at a very abstract thing and say whether or not that's worth $10 million. But we can all say whether or not a hammer is worth $5,000, right? Like, it's, it's just a little bit it's, it's more. Um, uh, uh, it's made out of diamonds. Off. Yeah. yeah. Or it's love, like bulletproof or something. When you think of. Um, I mean, if you just think about people, right, if a couple gets married, maybe there's one person who doesn't want a budget and then there's the other person who's strictly a budgetary person. So when you, you know, when you think that that there are people like this who exist, you have to imagine that, you know, some of the people in politics are like, you know, ball till we fall. You know, maybe that's that's why they're there. And then there are other people are like, no, this we got to be fiscally responsible. This isn't our money. This is the people's money and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I. I I mean, to, I guess it yeah, could be to some people a million dollars is infinite money. Like, right. that, there's no, there's no bottom to a million dollars. It's always going to be a million dollars, no matter how much you spend. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the year, I thought we had a million dollars. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, what other, what other um, job? Well, there are some, but not very many jobs give you a budget. It's like, okay, you got three point five million to work with. You know, you got to do this and that. Nigga, what? What? I just showed up here. You gave me this stuff to be with this much money to be responsible for. So I know it ain't right, but maybe no, that ain't even true. But they like, didn't. It's not. But see, I work in finance, so okay, they give you those budgets, but it ain't like they give you a a, a suitcase of money and it's like, here you go. This is all your money for the year. $200 million budget. There you go. Right? And you could take the suitcase around and hand out stacks to employees. All right. I need you to go. You know, um, I wish it was like that. But um, surprisingly, man, since working in finance, you'll be so there are so many people that get caught stealing. There are there are people that are like that. Right. They're like, oh, snap. I got this credit card. People like me and my job. They already associate my lifestyle before I got the job. Now I'm just going to go spend this money on, you know, a Range Rover, right? Or, or a big Las Vegas party and call it brand management, right? Or whatever, right? And, 
And what happens is those people get too hooked up and they, you know, they get away with it, right? That's the worst thing that happens. You get away with it. You get away with it. And then you're like, you know what? That wasn't so bad. I'm going to just throw another part. This time I'm going to throw it in Dubai for no reason, right? And, Dang. And then you get, and then you get, you know, embezzlement charges and you'd be like, why does this dude steal $50 million? <laughs> you know, it's because people weren't checking his budget. People weren't checking his expenses and they knew it, right? And these, they're not... This, the bad employee wouldn't get away with it. It's only the one that people trust, mm-hmm. right? They, that, that they think and trust. Um, but you'd be surprised how many people, I mean, doesn't matter the job, like sticky fingers. We, we got to a conference room. Um, all right. Uh, so the reason I called you guys in here is because, as you know, you each were given a budget for the year um, to improve your departments. Uh, to grow your teams, uh, get better resources. And uh, I've heard claims that that budget is not being used in ways that we would deem acceptable for this company. And so I know it's a bit unorthodox for me to have all three of you in the room at once, but uh, time is money. So I'm trying to cut, trying to cut costs here. Uh, <laughs> you guys weren't helping that. Uh, so here's what I'm going to do. All right. I got, I got the budgets in front of me. I got the spending, what's being spent. But I'm not sure what things have been spent on. So I'm going to need some help there. Um, and I'm going to each ask each and every one of you what you spent this money on. All right? <clears throat> yep. Amici, I'll start with you. Okay. Nothing at all. Okay. Yeah, I'm seeing I'm seeing a charge for $50,000 here. All right? Oh. Now, I, I just need to know what was that money spent on. And was that to grow the team, to gain resources? Like, what was the reasoning? Um, that, oh, I, I'm, I know what happened. Um, I hope I so. Bought, I bought lunch. Um, <laughs> and I tipped pretty well at this, uh, <laughs> this restaurant. So Was this a, a lunch for the, the whole company in our Austin <laughs> branch? <laughs> Um, it, it was like me and a couple couple friends. <laughs> it was it was at a casino. Okay, it was it was we were at a casino and what was the what what did you buy on the menu, Amici? Um, lots of lobster, champagne, um, <laughs> some chips, <laughs> some chips. Yes, I don't think there's any way you guys could consume. Fifty thousand dollars worth of lobster, champagne, and chips. Oh, no, no, like the gambling chips. <laughs> oh, that's right there. That, that's not lunch. That is straight up embezzlement, Amici. You took we were eating at the table. What? Yeah. You, you were eating the food at the gambling at the, whatever card table or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You cannot take company money and turn that into casino chips, Amici. It was a business lunch. <laughs> Hold on, I'm I'm gonna table this. I'm gonna table this. We'll come back to this. I gotta talk to the rest of you. Tandy, Tandy, Tandy. Yes. You've been uh, I know. you've been uh, uh, at this company for five years now. Mm-hmm. You know, you you know how, how this whole thing works. Exactly. What, what, I'm seeing I'm seeing a charge here for hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Okay. Uh and I thought that raised Bye. my eyebrow. So All I right. wanted to I wanted to know, you know, what was what was that spent on? What's so important? And our team building was establishing our spirit animal. 
Okay. Uh, the spirit animal is what guides us. What's it's 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 our mascot, really. And um, we'd all agree <laughs> that we were more of a giraffe in the company. Okay. You know, we were fast. We had long, fast. yeah. We had long-reaching necks to see above, to see uh, dangers and trends coming before everyone else. And um, so I thought, you know, it was a really great idea, and every, you know, and everybody agreed. And I was like, you know, we can really embody the spirit animal if we actually have the animal. So, um, <laughs> money, okay. I, I used, I flew to uh, Tanzania. <laughs> And, um, you know, brokered a deal and we bought a giraffe. We bought a giraffe as our spirit animal. You bought and, uh, one giraffe. We bought, we bought, we bought one giraffe. But, but we, didn't, we didn't bring it back because that would be inhumane. We wanted to leave it on the yeah. Where giraffes, giraffes die when you drive, when you're flying over the streets. That's right. You can't you put the heads over the airplane, right? You got to bring them as babies. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, wait. We don't need to discuss the logistics of flying a giraffe right now. The only way they come is if you... They you got to have them as babies. babies. Sure, sure, sure. Sure. But why would you buy a giraffe for company? Why did you even buy a giraffe? Why? You knew you couldn't take it back. Everyone knows you can't with a grown giraffe. But then I bought, but then I spent a lot of the money on computer equipment because we've got a, a live feed streaming from Tanzania uh, 24 hours a day. We watch the giraffe. Your team needs a new computer, right? Yeah, you got to the food too. You got to feed the giraffe. And, and, we, and for the care of the giraffe, you're sponsoring like, a giraffe with this company. We own the giraffe. If we ever want to go back, Lexington and, and, and Shoots owns a giraffe. In Tanzania. No one's going back for this giraffe. No one's going back for this giraffe. All right. I'll tell you. Let me just just because I gotta write it down on the sheet. What's the giraffe's name? Terrence. Terrence the giraffe. <laughs> Nanny, Nanny, I, can, can I can I just say that since we since we got Terrence, I feel better at work. A you lot. Better. You a lot better. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's it's a live feed of giraffe. You could have seen that anyway. You wouldn't have to buy one to see a live. Anyway, hold on. I, I still got. I still got to talk to John. Candy will come back to you. Got a company T-shirt on. I'll just say he's wearing a company. The giraffe is no. John, 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 John. John. There has to be some sanity in this room, right? Absolutely, boss. Um. Hmm. Two hundred thousand dollars on this on this charge. Um. Yeah. Work with me here, man. What what was his money for? <clears throat> so you know I got to thinking, right? We got Jerry. What am I going to do with Jerry on my team? Jerry, the computer engineer. Every time I look at him, I just don't like him. So I decided, what if I clone my grandfather? Then I could grow my the team. guy? I could grow my team with really hard working people, and I could get rid of Jerry. You know what I'm saying? Why not just fire Jerry? Jerry's not working out. Oh, he's, he's going to get fired, but I needed to have, you know, I need to learn what Jerry did so I could oh, teach my clone grandfathers how to do his job. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you said grow the team. That's how I feel like $200,000 is a deal. Wait, are you saying you were able to successfully clone your grandfather for $200,000? Well, it's not done yet. You know, it takes takes a couple of years for him to, you know, grow in the lab. But when it's done, 
We got 10 new employees. So $200,000. a pop. Hey, um, I, I want some money gambling. Can I can I give you some money to, to, no, to get me? No, no, you cannot. Money? That's company money. Clone the giraffe. Clone Next the giraffe. Time, you can, I can get mm. some sales. We can just That's right, yeah. clone the giraffe. No, no, no one's cloning a giraffe. We don't need more giraffes. That's not the we get a tiny giraffe and, and bring Nova here, right? Baby, we, that's how you, yeah, you got to bring it. Then we can clone the baby oh. giraffe oh, just in case something happens to that giraffe. We cut to John's grandfather's clone getting on an airplane with a baby giraffe <laughs> and a lawnmower. <laughs> sir, sir, you can't bring the lawnmower on board. I'm sorry. The giraffe can come because it's a baby, but you get can't your- bring the lawnmower. Get your hand off my lawnmower, boy. <laughs> Sir, you, you got to at least check the lawnmower. It can't go into the cabin. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, <laughs> and see. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a can't tell us nothing show, everybody. <laughs> thank you for listening. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and thank you for tuning in. And thank you to our, our special guest, Nidra oh. Wagner. Uh, you guys Let people forgot, know where they can find you. Y'all forgot about our um, expose. Whoa! Oh. That's right. That's okay. Oh, yeah. we, were so, we were so caught yeah, yeah, yeah. in the moment. Yeah. You know what? Let me see if I can. Oh, yeah. Woo, child. Oh, yeah, yes. no, yeah, you get the final word then. You can oh, gosh. Woo, uh, child, honey. Bring us out. Giraffe that you could have just been watching on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> it's the pride of ownership. Oh, I'm oh my god! It really is. Oh, that was funny. Yeah, so get- spirit of activism. Um, I felt it appropriate to discuss a topic that is very near and dear to my heart, and that is, um, well, Islamophobia is not near and dear to my heart. Um, religious freedom is. This country was established for individuals who were fleeing persecution due to their uh, religion, partly. The Europeans who came, they were immigrants. Uh, People like me were condemnants. We were condemned from the get-go. We were condemnants, okay? Uh, But practicing religious freedom is one of the joys of being an American. And so I need to cut to, since I have a a sophisticated group of individuals here who can have the ability to cut to a, a, a visual. I'd like to show you Exhibit A. The first one with the two women. Can you show me that one? Yeah, give me a second. Okay. So one of our current mayoral candidates by the name of Kevin Cole is uh, under fire, or should I say under match, because a few people know about what happened and they're raising hell about it. But the masses need to know, and he needs to apologize to the Muslim community and also to the Christian allies, all the people who believe in religious freedom. Because what you're about to see was fear-mongering. I'm going to have to lean in to see. What you see here is a Facebook post that was supposedly up for less than an hour. I don't care if it was up for 30 seconds. It is not fair. It is very un-American, and this is not the behavior or the comportment we expect of the leaders. This is what Kevin Cole, current mayoral candidate, posted a few years ago. If you look at this picture, you see two women who are uh, wrapped in hijabs, which means they're probably, they're Muslim women. And what they were doing that day was running around a neighborhood distributing campaign literature. I can't think of anything more American than that, supporting a political candidate of your choice. This is the narrative that he wrote above this picture. He wrote, 
And I quote, if you think this can happen in Pearland, well, guess again, it is. It is real and happening here in Pearland. The way to stop it is to vote Monday or Tuesday in early voting or next Saturday, May 6th. Vote for the conservative candidates. And if you look at the, the title of this article, this propaganda, it was how American Muslims are trying to take back their government. First of all, if it's not mine to begin with, I can't take it back. I don't recall I say, that doesn't make sense history. I don't recall any time in American history when Muslims ran American government. Number one. Number two, local uh, elections are supposed to be nonpartisan. And if you're seeking the seat of the mayor of Pearland of Texas, Pearland, Texas, you're supposed to be able to represent both Democrats and Republicans. They are your constituents. You shouldn't care what party they're uh they're of and, and they're from. And, and and local elections are supposed to be um nonpartisan, okay? But so I don't see how voting conservative was going to why are these women being treated like they're terrorists or holding Starbucks coffee, not a weapon. That's number one. And he apologized to the person we had at the time of this post. We had a woman who was running for uh, Pearland City Council who happened to be Muslim. And this is part of a fear mongering tactic to get people to vote against her. Then this is another post. Go back to the one before that. And all these things came to my cell phone. I didn't have to look for any of it. People send me stuff. This is circulating on cell phones across Pearland. If you look at this, can you enlarge that? This Is, is this the kind of comportment that you feel a mayoral candidate should, should display? This is a, a comment he posted some years back. Hey, a-hole, Tom DeLay happens to be my congressman, and I'm happy with the job he does for me and my district. Why don't you get the F out of our district and leave us alone? Better yet, come speak to me personally, and I will show you what I think of you. <clears throat> See Kevin Cole. That's sounds like a, sounds like he's a rapper instead of a yeah. Rapper. That 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 is that is that is unacceptable. So, and then we're gonna cut to another post that I received. This came from somebody in his camp. This came from somebody in his camp who was very dismayed that I wouldn't speak with him. She wouldn't even speak with him because she said he apologized to the to the candidate for city council. I said, well, let me see the apology. He typed her name, Dahlia. Her name was Dahlia Kisset. I am probably the last person you expected to hear from, but I'm here to apologize to you. I put an, first of all, apologize to the whole community. I put an inappropriate post three years ago that called out your religion. You wait and apologize and you, you send a self-serving apology three years after the fact, after you devastated her and messed up her campaign because you run it for mayor. No can do, not acceptable. That was absolutely wrong and I own it. You own it? Well, apologize to the whole Pearland community if you want their votes. The intent of my post was to highlight Muslim women working in the Democratic Party and the way it was written did not, roll it on, did not, did not uh, uh, convey that. You think? For that, I'm sorry. It, it was unfair to you. It was unfair to me. As a child of a Muslim who has Muslim family members, it was unfair to every Muslim in the city. It was unfair to every Muslim that's looking at a house trying to come and move in the city. It was unfair to every Christian who believes in religious freedom. It was it was unfair to every atheist who doesn't have a problem with people practicing their religion. Kevin Cole, I'm calling you out. You need to address that. And every particular, every mayoral candidate or form you've spoken in, you talk about how people have a right to pray, how they want to pray. But you, I'm, this is about their right to pray how they want to pray and their right to vote how they want to vote, and their right to participate in political process. Would you have been irate or upset had they been campaigning for you, campaigning for a Republican? This is unacceptable. Can't nobody tell us nothing got to go. I can't go on all night about this, but this is unacceptable.
acceptable. I hope this video goes viral and people call you to the freaking carpet. We work hard for our money. We work hard to pay our mortgages. We work hard to pay our taxes and you will not be the mayor. You should not attempt to be the mayor of this city if you think that people can work their butts off, pay these mortgages, pay these taxes and spend their, send their kids to these schools. We have great schools, by the way, but you don't want to interact with them and they shouldn't be able to vote for whom they want to vote for and campaign for whom they want to campaign for. This is not mayoral behavior. I will not be voting for you, but you owe it to the people of the city to address it. I close my case. I'm done. Because I'll go on all night. I'll go on all night. It's not cool. No, it's not. You got it's receipts. What I like about technology is now a racism has receipts. <laughs> you can pull somebody's receipt and pull it and put them on blast. Whereas 10 years ago, this thing probably would have swung in his direction just because they control the information that's going to us. So shout out for speaking your mind on him and, and he should be ashamed of himself. I hope he, hope he loses sleep. And let me say this. And if he had an Olivia Pope, let me tell you what Olivia Pope would have said. One minute. She would have said, this is what you say. You send the message to her and to the whole community. You get ahead of it because they're going to come after you, sir. And you say three years ago, like many Americans, I was woefully ignorant and unaware of Islamic culture and the Muslim faith. I have since enlightened myself <clears throat> what I did. Please forgive me and rest assured that as your mayor, I will be your biggest ally to make sure we have peace and har harmony in this city, in this state, and in this country. For now I am aware of the, in, of the contributions that Muslim people have made to this country. I do not equate Islam with terrorism, for I understand that just like the KKK does not speak for the Christian community, terrorists don't speak for Islam. In front of it, and that's how you handle it, and that's how you keep your economy booming, and people feeling comfortable living here. That's how you do it. Not how you did it, Kevin called. True. So I guess what we should say is you should grade your politician by how comfortable you feel living where you live. How about that? Amen. Fair enough. Yes, I do. Fair enough. Thank you, guys. Yeah, you were. Thank you. Thank you. That was awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. Are you ready to end it? All right, so we're okay, all right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> now that is the can't tell us nothing show. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, tuning in, and uh, of course, let people know where they can find you uh, and, um, and what you're up to these days. Uh, me, Shanwag at Shanwag.com. I'm making um, more music videos now. I've recorded over 200 songs in English and Spanish. I'm using my green screen. Recording music videos that are instructional in nature. I'm all about educating the masses. I'm trilingual. I speak French and Spanish. I'm busy consulting in schools and doing my tutoring. But again, I'm fighting for humanity. Yeah, I love fighting you. a good fight. Good person. I love you. I love you. That's right. Beautiful. And if you're interested in this aspect of humanity, uh, which is the can't tell us nothing, you can find out more about us at CTUN Improv, all your favorite social media sites. It's Facebook, it's Twitter, it's Instagram, CTUN Improv, that's CTUN, CTUN Improv.com, YouTube, Mockingbird Network for audio versions of the podcast, 92KLZ, every Wednesday at 7 to catch it live, or uh, uh, to, to catch it air on 92KLZ. And uh, yeah, that is it. We are. Can I buy out. This